so Simon with a few of his buddies that he trained with back in the day, like Kids of Steel and when he was still in Ontario, they got shirts made. It said like 80s KOS Kids of Steel and they just did the sprint race together. So like they swam and started swimming together, but obviously some were faster, slower, none of them were trying to win a gold medal, but they waited at the bike racks for everybody to get there. And then they all started biking together. And then they probably were not uh, respecting our rules, but that was fine with us because Simon's allowed to do whatever he wants. But, you know, they were out on the course biking together and then they ran together. They weren't concerned with their time. They were just chatting, catching up because, you know, Simon lives on the West Coast. Others are busy with family and friends, but like it was the idea of just like remembering why they loved triathlon in the first part. It was like when they were young, it was just getting out and from the parents' perspective, probably getting these crazy kids who have so much energy, energy just to burn off the energy, and then they fell in love with the sport. And then, like thirty years hence or whatever it was, getting together, same crew, you know, probably a bit more weight, hopefully more height. That would be unfortunate if they're not taller. But like, just <laughs> you know, they cross the finish line holding hands. Hi everyone, I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. Today on the show, we have Toronto Triathlon Festival founder Jeff Chong joining us. And uh, for those of you who are from Ontario or Toronto specifically and who have raced this, uh, this marquee race right in the middle of the city, they know what the TTF is all about. And uh, I'll share very quickly my own personal anecdote. Uh, I've raced with Jeff, uh, well, not maybe with Jeff, but uh, Jeff's race since the, the first year, I believe that was 2012. And I think I've only missed a couple and uh, when X3, which is still my, my coaching brand, uh, but when we had a formal a Triathlon Ontario team, we also fielded some teams in, uh, in some of his competitions. So I've, uh, I've been talking to Jeff in one form or another for, well, about eight years now. And uh, he and his race are a fixture in the, uh, the triathlon community here in Toronto, that's for sure. And uh, I'm just going to say thank you very much, Jeff, for uh, coming on the show and talking to us today. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. So, Jeff, um, I know you you told us earlier before we started taping that you're not strictly speaking a race director, but that you're able to speak to a lot of the kind of the, the trials and tribulations of of directing, and that's why we wanted to chat with you, because of course, in the the times of COVID, the the industry of of putting on a race and uh, and managing races is uh, is a little bit different. And uh, the reason we wanted you on on our show, on the innovation show, is that you guys have to be probably pretty innovative right now to to make the most of the situation that you're you're dealt with. So what's that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a great question. I'd start off by saying, Michael, will excuse the fact that you missed two years of the TTF. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I agreed to come on this thinking you had a clean record, so uh, <laughs> we won't hold that against you. And um, um, yeah, but all joking aside, it's a, it's a serious issue for sure. I think from a more broader perspective on, on and not and risking sounding dramatic, it can be an existential question in many ways for endurance platforms. And I think we all agree, and I'll say it once, then I won't refer to it again. There are bigger problems in the world 
uh, obviously, um, but we're, we're we're talking about this specifically today. So with that sort of not qualification, but caveat out of the way, um, I would say first and foremost, you know, it's about which platforms are able to survive, and 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 you know um, some. Um, races or some series are better equipped um, to to survive for various uh, reasons, whether it's being prepared for something like this, even though such a black swan type of event can't be forecast. But, you know, there's a lot of things that might go into one's ability going into something like this. Um, In terms of being innovative, you're absolutely right. I mean, I guess it really comes down to how people define innovation. I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys have gotten into some pretty cool um, technological um, um, takes on innovation as it relates to bikes or, you know, various gadgets uh, that are used throughout, you know, endurance and triathlon uh, sports and platforms. When it comes to innovation as it relates to the race races itself and the TTF specifically, because I can speak to that, you know, I think it's more on the lines of creativity. And, mm-hmm. you know, what are you comfortable doing? What's your degree of flexibility? Um, and how can you tack left or tack right when what you may or may not have forecast isn't coming to pass? So uh, you mentioned a couple of things that I really want to highlight. Uh, the one being that race direction and, and people who put on races more broadly you guys are a key, critical component to our whole ecosystem. For instance, you know, I, I talk to people who, who run bike shops and they're they're laughing right now because everybody wants to buy a bike, at least in Toronto. You cannot purchase a bike from a bike shop because, well, there's some supply chain issues, but everyone wants to be outside riding and people don't want to take public transit. So, you know, some some components of our industry are doing incredibly well. Whereas others are, are hurting. And, you know, me speaking as a coach, I'm, I'm not doing amazingly well because there are no races. But if, if there are no races uh, and if, if, this, if this shutdown is, you know, dramatic enough that it puts people out of business, as you suggested may happen with some, um, that's a real blow to our, our whole ecosystem. Because, you know, for, for most of us, the point is that race day. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really valid point. I mean, I don't mean to be cavalier by saying, you know, some may not exist. It's just the the nature of uh, the beast. Uh, You know, it's the same with any industry, um, um, you know, retail, uh, many others, that there's going to be a bit of a shakeout. Um, You know, I kind of look at it, um, it's a cyclical thing, right? Now, where the specialty retailers, and again, I can speak to the ones in in Toronto, like you said, uh, and it's not just, you know, triathlon or cycling related, um, you know, ones that are going to benefit from situations like this, it makes sense and they're doing well, which is fantastic. You know, there are times when they're not doing as well, whether that's a recession or, you know, um, the other thing that retailers have to do, which is different from what we do, for example, at least portions of what we do is the inventory risk they take on. So in other words, there's a lot of risk reward and and analysis that goes in there. But to the more broad point of, you know, you know, um, the TTF, um, we are hurting in the sense of uh, we would love to be putting on a race uh, two Sundays from now. Mm -hmm. Um, Financially, it would be better, obviously, and more specifically or equally importantly, you know, emotionally, spiritually, whatever you want to say, it's cool to get people together. It's become my family's, you know, summer, uh, some might say millstone, I would say celebration of the summer. Everything gets kind of, you know, uh, formed and figured around it kind of thing. Um, 
but you're right. I mean, races are, are very important. And before COVID came along, and I don't want to get way too much into this, but like, you know, federations, and it's not just specific to Canada, um, federations the world over, you know, live in, you know, to borrow your term, the ecosystem that exists between federations, athletes, races, you know, uh, retailers, mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, I don't think I'm mischaracterizing, and I mean this in the best way of of saying it, triathlon is still a niche sport and probably, you know, always will be just by virtue of it's a a smaller market um, that's attracted to something as specific as swim, bike, and run linked together kind of thing. And, you know, I think sometimes the broader uh, good or the notion of uh, a rising tide lifts all ships is sometimes lost there. So... Um, the importance of races, I'm biased, and so you and your listeners can ascribe whatever uh, veracity to what I'm about to say, which is, you know, races are, are critical. Um, you know, if you don't have people and entrepreneurs, not just myself, but guys like John Salt, the, who runs Multisport, like the notion of like people, um, you know, following a passion, whether it's a passion for the sport or a passion to, you know, create something of a signature event in, you know, the city that you grew up in. That's my story. Um, you need people, entrepreneurs who are willing to take a risk because, you know, for me, for example, I left a pretty lucrative career on Bay Street to do this and I'm not looking for any shoulders to cry on because I get to do what I love every day uh, I, I wake up and I'm passionate about it so I'm grateful for that but you do need people to put on races so you know it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens you know next year and hopefully next year I mean Christ n- none of us really want to really contemplate even though you have to if you're you know being smart about forecasting what the future may look like but you know I'd like to assume we're going to be back at some sort of normal a new normal at that for next year so yeah races are critical Mm -hmm. races are critical um and just sorry michael quickly to circle back to your your first question like how my role is different this year i mean I, I guess I'm responsible for what you would call overall event stakeholder and strategy management as it relates to the TTF. Now, okay. that sounds like a whole lot of, you know, MBA speak or how do you define <laughs> that, right? As it relates to the sort of situation that everybody got confronted with on March, you know, whatever you want to call the date, 11th, 12th, you know, when the NBA sort of made it real for everyone, which is a whole other podcast. I'd love to come on to you, see how the prison of sports really <laughs> you know, sort of focuses people's attention. But, you know, from my perspective, I look at it as two-pronged. It was about communication um, and it it was about options management. And communications, it was like with athletes, uh, A, with athletes, B, with our the political and public health authorities that we had to deal with and, 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 and see it with our sponsors. And then the second thing really was about options management. And I kind of touched on it uh, earlier. It was about forecasting the various permutations and what if scenarios around what a TGF might look like. And to give you a feel for that is, you know, in March, you'd have a lot of people that were saying, oh, crisis july don't worry about it you know mm-hmm. on my good days i would fall into that camp and then on my smart days i would say well we have to you know focus on what we will be if this happens what we can't be if that happens and what we want to be if this is the deadline and date when we're able to do something whatever that is so you know 
whether you call that juggling different balls or just an ability to be flexible, as we said before, that's really where, where, where I've been and kind of trying to keep my head and leading the various, you know, um, prongs and entities and people that are part of the overall TTF uh, operations and, and staging teams, if you will. I think you brought up some really good points there. And one of them being, we just don't know the scale of what's going to happen longer term. It's It could be six months where everything's more or less back to normal. It could be six years, which I think everyone would be terrified to hear, but that is an unfortunate reality that we could be faced with. And we may never get back to the, the status quo for endurance sports. Like Events may change forever in terms of how we're able to put them on with large groups of people. And that will change the economics of it. It'll change the uh, the opportunities that we have to, to go to these events. And it's going to take some major thinking because a sport like triathlon, um, unlike I would say cycling where people do it more recreationally, triathlon is in my mind, all about competition. It's all about maybe not being number one on a given day, but going out and doing that race and completing that race and, and setting these personal goals for yourself. And without that competition there, I think I, I am a little worried that some of the interest might wane in the sport. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I'm not sure I completely agree with everything you said, but I think you're right. I mean, it is all about um, ensuring that the interest is still there when the uh, initial horn goes off. You know what I mean? Whether that's here in Toronto or more likely somewhere in the States. I mean, the, 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 the I'll come back to how I want to answer your question, but it also speaks to the idea of, and, you know, I've been doing some you know work uh, with some of the governments about what, going back looks like um and it's challenging because there's no way of knowing i mean most people i feel should should feel this way but there's no way of knowing which way this pandemic is going um and all i've concluded we've concluded is that we can't run from it and that's kind of been the underpinning thrust of what we you know, sort of utilized to set objectives and goals for interim periods, whether it's month or, you know, next year or in, in, in the future and, and looking at our business plans of what we've planned for the future and how, how that changes. And, you know, I just think we have to find a responsible way to coexist with COVID-19 until a vaccine is developed. And a critical piece of that is, you know, understanding how athletes feel about coming back. You know, whether we're putting a race on is one thing. Are athletes comfortable enough and have we done enough to do that? And, you know, to 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 um, not pick on the, the Americans or what's happening in the U.S., but, you know, excuse me, I think we all from an endurance uh, race um, staging perspective – realize that just like with anything we are going to be evaluated fairly or not fairly by those who come back first right and it's going to be smaller races and it's probably going to be you know somewhere uh who knows where it's going to be but if it doesn't go well that's not good for the industry from a credibility perspective it's also not good for you know the stakeholders within that because you know uh birds of a feather you know, uh, and that's not really fair, but that's how people are going to look at it. And, you know, I was reading a, something in the paper where Nanos poll said, you know, a quarter people uh, right now aren't even comfortable thinking about coming back to an in-person event. And even then, it would have to be with masks and physical distancing. Now, I, I grant you that was talking more about things like probably going to the art gallery. It's not talking about something where you're outside, mm -hmm. where I think, you know, uh, triathletes and, and, and runners and cyclists are probably more in the not um, – 
uh, risk-taking sort of mode. That's not how I want to characterize that, but I think that 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 number is a little bit skewed high because it's not talking about this. But those are the things that we have we have to worry about. And you know, where I come out is kind of hoping that you know where athletes can can help support races not like the TTF per se, but always is just first to stay safe, follow public health guidelines, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Things that we're compelled to say to start these sort of answers. Um, But like, you know, find ways to stay enamored with the sport uh, in ways that work for you. So, uh, you know, and we can segue into into virtual racing as well in in a moment, but like if virtual Mm -hmm. racing isn't your thing, don't do it. Right. Like, when we decided we were going to launch the virtual TTF, by no means did I think this was panacea to like help um, bridge the funding gap that we have. It, that nothing could be further from the truth. What I wanted to do was just not phone something in and make sure that we're creating something that's going to work for some people because it's about coming together and celebrating the TTF and this example uh, in unique ways. Um, and we created some virtual programming around that to ensure that there was a a bit of a value proposition because I don't believe in trying to take people's money because we are charging for that just for the right to upload your results for a run that I do five times a week on my own kind of thing. (laughs) And and so you can understand my position on that. But, you know, like find unique ways, right? So if the the TTF virtual isn't your thing, maybe it's kind of what Ironman's doing or somewhat, you know, Triathlon Canada's doing with some of the other and various platforms or Swift is your thing. It's just staying close to the sport in various ways, whether that's going out with two or three of your buds or whatever you're allowed to do or engaging with your club. It's like, just keep the flame alive so that when it is time for that initial horn to go off, it's not so foreign a concept that the triathlon world has become kind of like in the back of your mind. Now we can't control that, as you said, um, you know, Andrew, and, and I do think triathlon has a bit of their work cut out for, cut out for them because there are three constituent parts that comprise a triathlon, right? Swimming on its own, biking on its own and running on its own is, is, I don't want to say easy, but a lot easier to do, you know, before you try to intertwine them all together. So, um, sure. That, that would be kind of how I look at that. And then the other thing I would sort of ask of, you know, your listeners and triathletes specifically is just to be more open to it, you know, open to the things that people might be doing. And that's not to say do the virtual TTF. It's just like understand that you're not going to get that rush of adrenaline that you get on game day and race day, you know, at the TTF or up in, you know, Gravenhurst or Guelph Lake for some of the bigger ones here in Ontario at least. Um, but understand that that is going to be there and you'll probably still get that adrenaline rush so hopefully you're 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 open enough to things that will get you there in the interim not racing period sorry i was i think i'm all over the map with some of these answers no 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 jeff that's that's awesome i think i was hoping you were going to go there because i uh I, my own kind of my own feeling about it. And uh, I haven't to be like, I'll, I'll own up to the fact that I haven't always been, you know, practicing what I preach, but I do think that it is incumbent upon all of us that I don't think it's, you know, it's up, it's the heavy lifting should be done by, you know, the Federation or the, or the RDs or, you know, or vendors or coaches or, you know, the, the kind of the primary stakeholders. Uh, I think it's on, it's on the masses. It's on, um, you know, it's on triathletes and and the the people at the end of the day who are going to be, who are going to be coming back or hopefully not, not coming back to the sport. So I, um, I'm, you know, I'm happy to hear you say what you said about keeping the flame alive and, um, 
one of the follow-up questions I have for you is uh, let's talk about some ideas. I know you mentioned virtual racing, so let's let's talk a little bit about that. But you're right; it isn't everybody's cup of tea. Um, and then you know maybe some other thoughts that uh, that you've had that uh, that might be uh, filling the gaps for the people for whom virtual racing doesn't do it. Listen, I mean, virtual racing, I think, is here to stay. Uh, you know, whether you look at the advent and the proliferation of esports more generally, which is, again, another podcast topic, I suppose. But, you know, whether it's the social dynamics of what's happening with social media, whether it's the different ways that one uh, has to approach um, the next generation of kids and youth coming up. And, you know, there's no judgment when I say that. I mean, they've grown up with different ways of socializing and a key component or driver of that is social media and how media is consumed, how then sports and other, you know, things that are so pertinent to everyday life uh, is, is, is consumed. Right. And so I'm not surprised that virtual racing has found more than a niche. And I wouldn't be surprised if we lose, you know, some of the, you know, athletes on the margin um, to virtual racing completely um you know whether that's born out of um not really having triathlon specifically um uh, as a as one of their top three things that they like to do from a sports perspective or where they can't spend the marginal dollar because again you know the last four months or wherever we are now i've lost track or more specifically to keep my sanity stop counting the days but like you know the marginal entertainment dollar is something that everyone's gonna have to fight for so it behooves everyone to pull up their socks whatever that means kind of thing right so virtual racing tier to stay and again like i said before i don't know enough and you guys know more about you know uh, ascribing or opining on which are going to be the winners and losers from a platform perspective i can barely name two or three of them um you know myself but you know clearly there's 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 a place for that from a pro race perspective from a you know elite age group perspective and even from an age group perspective as well um i do think you know the one thing i think if i'm allowed to say this and be a little bit boastful or risk sounding boastful races like the TTF that are that are bigger and I you know I think a lot of that is just luck of being in the, the city hopefully we've done our part to leverage that to be a bigger race I think the races that have brands associated with them that have spent money and time you know uh, building up a brand along with the actual race itself stand to benefit because there's more of a um, feeling of togetherness or the athletes feel like they are the brand and we've always not only said that uh, from a um, uh, lip service perspective we, we do feel that and put a lot of again money and time and effort into ensuring that the experience down in Ontario place is as big and as high event and uh, blue ribbon of feel as it can be so I do think that virtual racing is here to stay um, but we're never the TTF specifically is never going to think we want to nor will we ever try to compete with the Ironmans out there because it's just a different platform completely and that's not where our comparative advantage is what I take from this is is that virtual engagement is here to stay and again we've kind of um, engaged virtually or, or through social and, and accepted and embraced digital a lot more over the last year, year and a half. And we, if you've been following us, have been spending a lot more time, you know, before and during and, and post COVID um, with more Facebook lives. I'm getting less anachronistic and dinosaur like when it comes to this, because, you know, as the person who's driving strategy, I mean, yes, I play possum and I don't have social media personally, but I know what, we're doing 
thinking and I know how we want to do it. And then it's about, you know, bringing all of our advantages to bear, right? So that's a good brand, uh, loyal following. And I've been lucky to cultivate relationships with a lot of, you know, um, important luminaries within the sport, whether that's the Simon, Cody's and Paula's of the world, or, you know, folks like yourselves who have mediums through which we can access, you know, athletes. And likewise, you guys can, you know, it's almost like working together to, to help each other. But, you know, that's where I think we're going is a lot more virtual engagement um, from a social media perspective. And then, you know, we embraced it a little bit with our life well lived challenge, which pays homage to our, you know, our main sponsor, Raymond James. And I shouldn't sort of, uh, skirt over that i mean we're we and i am lucky to be in a position um to be less scared about what the future holds because raymond james um and specifically one of its main leaders jamie coulter is a massive triathlete uh you know and they're big fans of the sport and helping build the sport not only from a ttf perspective but i believe they're 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 also uh or not i believe i know i don't know the details of it but i know they're partners with triathlon ontario's junior development team uh as well so we're lucky in that our partner our main sponsor and, and partner uh stayed with us though so that that helped us out there um but um we launched a life will live challenge which is a virtual challenge more about people having fun and not taking themselves too seriously and not about maintaining your fitness but like ensuring that you're just getting out the door doing stuff from a mental health perspective so that was important for the ttf to just get something out there but for me specifically i wanted to get some learnings around how how virtual challenges work, what didn't work, what didn't, how we might tweak things. So that can kind of give you a feel for, um, we'll be announcing something in the next two or three weeks, um, you know, around more virtual challenges that are more specific to running. Um, and I'll leave it there and then maybe we can come back on and talk about how it did work or how it didn't work when we announce it at some point over the next few weeks. That's awesome. That's uh, that's a lot of different strategies. Uh, one thing I want to key in on is again that um, your the ask I, I feel like you've made the ask of uh, of all of the listeners to keep the keep the flame alive. So what are what are some of your ideas there? I, I mean, you talked about TTF uh, and the, uh, the 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 engagement strategy and the social strategy that you guys have around keeping people engaged with with your race in particular. But what about keeping the flame alive if you're not so wild on virtual? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I, you know, I, I think the way I would characterize it would be everybody should do what they're comfortable doing. And it actually, you know, is, is, is um, a refrain that I think is also germane to some of the other more broader social issues as it relates to um, things going on all over the world um, with respect to uh, Black Lives Matters and a lot of the racial, anti-racial, anti-racism type of movements going on. But as it relates to what I just said there, you know, I think people should do what they're comfortable doing. And what does that mean? It means for the person who doesn't like virtual, cool. You know, we didn't think everyone's going to like virtual, but maybe don't forget to call on your buddies who you usually go cycling with, even though you're, you know, bogged down with work and not to say you're bogged down with family, but, you know, everybody has responsibilities and it's not like it, you know, used to be. And everybody has to work things into a new schedule, but just just don't lose track of your multi-sport love, right? Yeah. And so if that means going out with your buddies every third Saturday and saying, hey, don't forget about me, call on me, make sure they know that. If it means going to Dornello's and Enduro Sport, and that's not a shameless plug, it's just the ones that we deal with, you know, they're doing well, but like, 
go out and, and, and you know and, and, and talk to them or if you're sort of like a passive member of clubs cycling triathlon or swimming clubs get more ingrained or find out what they're doing support them a bit more and that doesn't always mean funding wise i think we all recognize you know sometimes when people knock on my front door you know i've allocated my charitable donations you know, part of which is to the TTF because it's not always that lucrative. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just have to say my donation or how I'm going to do this is just to be more engaged with some of the prongs of what multi-sport comprises, right? So, again, that's not an evasive answer to not offend anyone. It's just a recognition that, you know, some people are going to be like, yes, I'm doing the virtual. And I will say there are a lot of people that reached out to us through DMs and Facebook and email where, it, you know, didn't bring a tear to my eye necessarily, but it makes you feel good because, you know, Mike, uh, you can speak to this from a coaching perspective. It's like, it's not always, you know, Hey, here's your token swear word. It's not shits and giggles all the time. Right. It's like, yep. it's hard. And sometimes you got to remind yourself why you're doing it. And that person who either posted on Facebook or sent an email to me saying like, we know it's not tough, just, you know, stick with it. And, you know, we love what you do and, you know, we're not going to defer and we're going to do this and we're going to find a couple people to do virtual. That's great, but not everybody can do that. So to your point or your question, that's what I would, it's not even challenging because I think some people would take exception with that word and I don't want to come off as stridently suggesting people need to do this or that. It's just, you know, <laughs> just remember that this is a release for you. You might be a a really strong triathlete or you might be just someone who likes to be part of a club put on a swim cap because you look good in a swim cap but you'd be the, the minority there because nobody really looks good in a swim cap um but just think about because it hides your bald spot i don't know maybe right? yeah there, that's there true that's true that's true i don't know and Andrew, <laughs> i've never met so i don't know if we're, we're we're talking about you there but you know talking about i'm talking about me i'm not putting i'm not oh, sorry i didn't want to say it but you know you said it yourself but like things like that <laughs> just remember what your magic moment thinks about when you're crossing the scotiabank marathon finish line or you know um the ride to conquer cancer all these different things it's not triathlon nor ttl specific it's remember what you get out of that right and it's endorphin based it's community based it's a story you're able to tell your colleagues and brag about at work or it's a lesson you can teach to your kids you know again i'm not trying to preach or get overly philosophical but i think that's what people have to do is recognize what is it it's not just about triathlon it's not just about the runner's site the the, the the bike ride it's the other things that come out of it um you know the healthy lifestyles the act of living again not from a preachy perspective but like you know it's underpinning solid you know ways of 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 living your life you know there's some really good points there and the one thing that actually resonates with me quite a bit i'm personally i'm not someone who's really identified that much with virtual racing that's my own personal challenge I'm, I'm trying to but i think the important point is that it actually lowers the barrier to entry a lot for the sport so talking to people who are doing their first triathlon um they're quite often worried about looking good in the race or being fast enough so there's kind of a social pressure that goes with it um there's also a lot of cost like there's these upfront costs and you feel like you have to spend a lot of it and even some well very very large events like ironman are not cheap so if you're incorporating the cost of travel and hotels and all that other stuff um, it becomes more of a lifestyle than a hobby and maybe virtual racing is a huge opportunity to really get more people involved and more people interested, even though it seems like the opposite. It could be something if 
we as a triathlon community embrace it, um, then it could be something that we can all use to our benefit and improve the sport overall. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I think I think that's a really valid point, and it's something that we discussed um, internally um, um, a lot. In other words, with our inaugural virtual foray uh, that's you know starting, I guess later this week. Did we want? Who do we want to market it to? Right, and I made sort of the decision to say it's already foreign enough a concept happening under duress, if we can call that what's happening, and we'll feel rushed just given people had registered for a traditional TTF in our example. So I didn't want to sort of muddy the um, um, communications around trying to also get new people into the sport this way. But Andrew, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's something that we absolutely are going to do um, because it's a way not only from a funding perspective to get people in it because that's a barrier to entry that we know about and have heard about. The other part is 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 just some people don't want to be in bathing suits in front of people initially, and and and, and they're 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 scared of not having the right equipment for mm-hmm. the reasons you talked about before. Now that's a more that's a I don't want to call it an issue. Those are some other developments in the sport that 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 are born out of good things, I think, because people are interested and, and want to get faster and want to have gadgets, and that's good for the other parts of the ecosystem. To reference back, you know, something we talked about before, but it's also not great because it's it, it can end up being uh the the having the the variables associated with cliques, you know, like uh, I don't fit in with them because I don't look that way, you know. You know, whether it's body shape, hey, listen, I'll say it, skin color, because we're, I personally, uh, you know, newsflash with my last name, I am a visible minority, as uh, even though we're on a podcast. Um, I'm not running from those issues. And, you know, we did a podcast a couple weeks ago with a guy out of the States who's done some good work. And, you know, again, another thing that's not virtual related or, you know, where we're going as it relates to the race itself, we are doing some work behind the scenes with some big partners about how we can do our part. Um, to help change the complexion of, 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 uh, no pun intended of, of what our sport looks like. And there's no judgment there. You know, um, I think that's the thing I really get upset about is that the people feel like there's a right and a wrong thing to say. And that's the problem. People are scared and walking on eggshells. We need to create situations where people feel comfortable and safe to talk about things. And that's what I'm committing to doing with the platform that I can control, which is, you know, the TTF. And, and I think, you know, the TTF is lucky in the sense of not having me, Jeff, as the founder, but me as an Asian, proud Asian Canadian, born and raised here, second and third generation, depending on which side of my family you want to go to. It's easier for me to have these conversations because I'm, yep, I'm Asian, (laughs) to be frank. And so we're going down that road uh, as well. But Andrew, to come back and not go on so many of these tangents as I'm want to do um i think you're right um it's definitely a way that can make it more accessible and it dovetails also on something that you know is uh, near and dear to simon's simon whitfield's heart which is this sort of um undefined uh, term or brand he doesn't want to call it a brand but it's called triathlon together and you know he's got some has had some big plans for it and to suggest that they haven't come off is no um knock on what he and we and others have tried to do um but the whole idea is um was 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 catalyzed or born out of like his 
Simon is lucky, and he's the first to say he's lucky and one of the very few is, you know, it is a niche sport to have built somewhat built a career out of uh, triathlon. It's been very good to him. Now, obviously, he's been very good to the sport in Canada, given not only what he did in Sydney well, 20 years ago in a couple months, but like, you know, it gives back a lot. I mean, like, you know, he's an ambassador for the race and, you know, he's an ambassador for the sport, but, you know, he is very passionate about how the sport is getting away from us. And by us, I mean the royal we of triathletes and people who like the sport and the, and the health of the sport, you know, gadgets are great. You know, the latest bike is fantastic, but when you start talking about two, five, $10,000 bikes and this gadget and that garment and that soon to and that, whatever, it's quickly becoming somewhere where people think initially triathlon and it's taken a long time for me to you know suggest to people no 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 it's not 2.4 112 and, and and a marathon it's this it's that but now people are like yeah but I, I can't afford that and so what you know Simon believes and I will say this is we should have races where you know people just have to show up with their runners and maybe a speedo, you know what I mean? We'll supply the swim cap. We'll get them a wetsuit. We'll get them a bike, and we'll create the course. Now, that is cool. Having said that, I always have to walk him back a bit from that and say, well, you're not the one funding the race. That's not that easy. You know, I'll waive the, <laughs> the entry fees, which is fine for how we may want to define things. But there's things we have to think about about how to make that a reality. But so with that as this sort of, you know, foundation, you know, me, the TTF and, and I and, and, and some of our partners, Simon and others, we're figuring out ways that we can sort of give back, um, you know, to uh, triathlon, to try to make triathlon together more of a reality in a way that's tangible and moves the needle for those in sort of lower socioeconomic um, demographics. And it's not about um, handouts and it's about offering opportunities to groups that may not get it um, on their own. And by get it, I mean be exposed to it and then helping those who want to dig in and try it through things like coming down to the TTF for free, where I will challenge people is in coaches like you, Mike, and I'm not challenging you specifically, but challenging coaches generally and challenging clubs specifically. Now, because I don't want to take on athletes, but like clubs and, and coaches, I have a good relationship. There's a way that we can all do this together, but we need to figure out ways that we can, you know, deliver on some of this programming beyond just saying, hey, come down to the TTF. That doesn't really solve anything more systemic right so like what i would sort of like leave this part of the conversation with is is to say anyone listening that wants to kind of be a part of that movement of triathlon together reach out to me either directly through social or um through through um you know these guys on the podcast and let's have a conversation about it yeah actually jeff it's uh it's interesting that you bring this up but uh andrew and i uh this would have been three or four episodes back we we should have repeated this offer and this was something that that is i definitely my bad but uh uh we offered up some of our services to folks um i know you know, I said earlier that, uh, you know, COVID's kind of eating my coaching lunch. Um, and so that's not amazing, obviously, but at the same time, it's, um, it's giving me a little bit more, you know, in professional breathing room, if you like. Uh, and I, I did, uh, I did put the offer up there of, uh, of a couple of spots on, uh, on my coaching roster, completely free of charge for folks. 
um, who who wanted to get into the sport. So I'm I'm gonna you know take take advantage of your um, of your challenge right right there. I mean I did I did offer it up earlier, but uh, to to repeat this offer and uh, maybe it's something that you and I can talk about because I'm happy to you know to volunteer some of my time if you need it um, with what you guys are working on. Yeah, no, I mean it all starts with you know people realizing what they may be able to bring to the table, and let's not you know pretend that you know it's great you know from the perspective of building community. Um, but also it is great to get associated with things that are well organized and that are trying to responsibly, you know, broach, you know, big issues. And, um, you know, the more people we get involved who are serious about it and who know each other, like you and I know each other, you know, the more heft and credibility it can have. And, you know, all, all snowballs gain momentum and more snow as they go downhill kind of thing. So hopefully this can be, you know, the beginning of a conversation for sure, which we can take offline and, and build from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'd love, I'd love to do that. The one thing I would say is, um, to, to, to talk a little bit about, you know, where triathlon may be going in the post or during COVID-19, you know, I, I, again, I wasn't trying to be evasive by giving some of the answers I had, but like, there are easy things that people would think about, like, time trial starts or larger transition areas or longer timelines or durations during which, you know, an entire race can be delivered or multiple days for the TTF. Now, those are all really great ideas, but practically for bigger events that uh, require partial shutdowns of city and for us, shutdowns of the highways downtown it's not tenable like if i were to go back to city council and say hey yeah can we also have that closure on saturday <laughs> you know they take the permit away for sunday and say you're too stupid to be putting this race on we're taking it from you but you know <laughs> i think there's ways that we can do it but it goes back to you know what people might be comfortable with and being open to and flexible to what next year might look like and, and i'm not foreshadowing anything because i have no idea but it's the whole notion of foreshadowing that it's unknown you know what i mean so like maybe lowering expectations about it may not be the exact same race you remember next year but that's okay it may get back there it may not it may be the new normal and reacting you know sort of realistically to that is maybe what should be what that athlete is doing for the multi-sport community mm -hmm. in other words not freaking out and emailing info at tts saying what the hell is going on here or saying like oh my god did you see what they're doing for race x this is ridiculous but maybe embracing the notion that we all would like it to be the same as it was but it may not be um you know the other thing again it's not foreshadowing but it's like how do you treat transition? You know what I mean? Which of the legs is most difficult with respecting to with respect to enforcing physical distancing distancing rules? You know, and that's easily you guys can answer. It's the bike. Because where do you put the bike? You know, and, and so it's thinking through all these things and, and we've thought through much of these permutations about, you know, how you know, we might have put on a race in September. This is going back to like March, April, when I was kind of thinking through all the different permutations, like what might it look like? Uh -huh. What is this, you know, swim run thing that's taking on a little bit more of um, a, 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 a prominent role in endurance racing in Europe and then in the States and a little bit up here. I needed to get a bit more comfortable with that. Simon was helping me in that regard as well. And just thinking through ways that we might get, 
not cute because we're not trying to be cute, but flexible and creative when it comes to, you know, multi-sport and triathlon within that. So this doesn't really address the social distancing issues, but I really like the concept of show up with your running shoes and maybe there's bikes that, you know, they're, they're very well marked. So you can set up whatever your bike fit would normally be. Um, but that would be so cool having a race where everything except the physical performance is, uh, is just eliminated. So there's no more dependence on having the best equipment. It's just, you show up and you perform well. Yeah, I mean, we went down this road and had conversations and I mean, I mean, again, Simon had some really Simon, you know, for people that know him and have got, gotten to know him um, through the public eye and through the TTF because we probably overexpose him. Um, he's obviously a very intelligent, well thought through philosophical kind of guy. He has a lot of creative ideas that that, um, again, have he and I have had beers and talked about what this might look like. I approached this and where I was talking about it more earlier was more from the triathlon together accessibility perspective, but don't think for a second that the way we started the conversation was Andrew with how you just approached it with, it's not trying to like level the playing field per se, but it is, um, but taking that out of the equation and, you know, I had even approached through some of my city contacts about getting, um, uh, not Bixie bikes, but bike share involved because like, obviously that's taking it to the nth degree, but like, we're not saying we're going to strap on a, uh, a basket and have you, have you delivering, you know, Globe and Mails because you're not a, on a bike route per se, but it kind of gets the notion of like leveling the playing field, the, the practical challenge for us is if we're going to do that as part of the TTF weekend, how do you do that? You know what I mean? Cause you can only have X amount of people at a time. You're not going to waste the, highway uh, closure on that because we won't be able to do it on mass. But again, um, these are the things we're trying to sort of think through um, and figure out ways we might be able to do that. Because again, that would be a niche within a niche. You know what I mean? For people like you guys, if you're interested, it's not like you would give up your nice bikes, but you would say that's fun. And I get how that would probably help the sport and hopefully give some content, maybe some empirical, you know, data that we can use more broadly as a, as a sport to sort of say, here's something that we should do on mass. But it also might just be a great way for you to grab seven of your buddies to say, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, um, car racing you know how do you take the engine out of the equation and maybe that's a great win maybe that's something we should look at for you know you guys can be our guinea pigs get six of your buddies let's get eight guys and do something fun (laughs) maybe it is on bike share bikes who knows like and it's unofficial ttf we can do it maybe we could do that this year that's one of the unofficial ways the ttf is, is kind of doing something and we we do something fun that way but it starts from a basis of something that's more systemic within within our within our sport right but we have fun with that because that's what we can't lose sight of right well isn't it how it all started i mean that's not the the kind of the origin story of triathlon in the first place is that there's a bunch of buddies who got together and decided to you know well, pick it. some arbitrary distances and then swim bike run them well that was it in the story as i remember it i think it was in san diego they just decided that they were going to come up with arbitrary you know distances and i think the guy he was involved with the military he even drank a beer after each leg or something like that just to prove the <laughs> point and of the seven guys that finished i think only he finished it's it's such a cool story but you're right it's it's a great way not only for what we just talked about for but for everyone to remember it's like 
first and foremost, all sports, unless at the really highest level, is about community and coming together to celebrate healthy lifestyles and just getting together as 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 a community. You know what I mean? And and cheersing at the end. And so like you know the the steam whistle beer garden is obviously the thing that people remember the most, and that's why as our virtual event, which I probably should plug a little bit more than I have, is you know we're we're suggesting that you know on the Sunday the nineteenth that would have been the ninth TTF we're we're getting people to have a virtual hangout where beers will be a part of it right so it's trying to replicate you know that whole coming together and and celebrating your good or bad race with your your friends and colleagues you know with a beer you know um jeff i know you're a little bit pressed for time so i i want to let's wrap things up here this was uh this was a great chat and uh, i think you threw i know you didn't you said you didn't want to use the word challenge but you you gave folks some really good ideas, and maybe and maybe reminded people some of their about some of their whys, like some of the reasons you know why they're they're in the sport to begin with. Um, you you talked about a, a bunch of them, and listen, as coaches, we talk about them too when we're talking about motivation or when we think about kind of intrinsic or extrinsic motivation for folks. Um, but the one that you pointed out that you um, that I want to highlight is community, and that's because it's something that is quite easy to do. Uh, without the racing, um, the and you talked about grabbing your friends and going for a bike ride or, or going for a responsibly distanced run, you know, something that we can do in Ontario now, luckily, uh, and something that I've been doing. And it's great. It's great to reconnect p- with people, especially after a time of, you know, being mostly confined to our homes. Uh, it's amazing to see to see friends and, fa- and faces that you remember from, from months ago uh, and uh, and doing something physically active with them. So I think that part, even though, you know, the competition component may or may not be in may, may or may not be baked into that. It's still something that that for a lot of us gives us that kind of inherent satisfaction and uh, and motivation. And one of the key reasons why we uh, participate in the sport. Yeah, listen, I mean, I think thank you for having me on again. I appreciate the opportunity and hopefully some of my incoherence can be uh, put together into a, a compelling podcast, but you know, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't do a, a subtle shameless plug for the virtual TTF. I have no idea when you guys are planning to uh, push this one out, but um, I'd encourage people to check it out. I mean, again, like we said, it's not for everyone, but we've done uh, a lot of work creatively to sort of work with our partners to create programming virtually. So it's not just about the racing. Um, you know, obviously people will race on their own, but Things like exclusive access to Paula and her partner, Eric, you know, for what we're calling Pints with Paula. Uh, Cody's going to talk about aerodynamics and um, things of that nature, uh, where he's had a lot of learnings uh, with some of the exposure he's had a little bit more scientifically. Um, and then we're doing fun things like a steam whistle roundhouse live tour um, from their brewmaster and then a triathlon trivia night on the Saturday night that would have been the night before uh, the TTF and then like a play on the sort of past the dinner on the Friday of like a marathon with our partners at Toronto Athletic Club. They have a high-end restaurant high up in the TD Tower and one of the TD Towers called Stratus. So their sous chef is doing a cooking class virtually on a Friday night. So again, not everybody's cup <laughs> nice. of tea, but like we're trying our best to keep the you know spirit alive as we talked about without trying to sound too trite or um, contrived. If it is something you think that could help, you know, bring you and a couple of your friends to there, consider it, check it all out on the TTF website. And if not, we look forward to, you know, engaging with you socially and hopefully next year in person down on Ontario Place. Even having this conversation has rekindled a bit of my 
passion for racing. Like I've always kind of had that carrot dangling in front with these races that I'm registered for, but have not yet been canceled, but probably yeah. will be. Yeah. Um, but just having this conversation, it, it just reminded me, this is why I enjoy the sport. And even thinking as funny as it would be the city bike race, um, that would be so much fun. So yeah. there are things like that, that just getting that in my mind, mentally picturing myself doing some race like this, it's, it's really lit the flame again for me. Well, there you go. What I heard out of that, Andrew, is you're going to register for the virtual TTF right now, so we'll check. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're a consummate uh, race promoter, Jeff. Uh, hats <laughs> off to you for that one. Okay, guys. So listen, thanks again. And uh, listen, let's stay in touch on a couple of things we talked about. Yeah, for sure.